Let's get it going. This is the Arrowhead Attic Podcast, a part of Fansided Podcasting Network, arrowheadattic.com. I'm your host, Rylan Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. That's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-A-S. It's good to be back. We had a phenomenal show last week that lasted almost an hour of just me talking, which, believe me, is not something everyone wants to hear. But it was needed because we covered everything from the Chiefs offseason. We're gonna we previewed the entire offseason for the Chiefs from top to bottom. And what do you know? You hit publish on that on that podcast, and then Adam Scheffner drops a huge offseason nugget with the CBA. So on this episode, we're gonna backtrack a little bit and go over the entire proposed CBA, what we like, what we dislike about the CBA. Also going to talk about the NFL Combine, which is getting underway right now in terms of the interview process, and then the Combine drills and such will happen later on this week. A jam-packed week here at the Arrowhead Attic Podcast and on ArrowheadAttic.com. This show, of course, is moving to two days a week starting last week and continuing this week and on forward. Tuesdays and Thursdays is when you can expect the Arrowhead Attic Podcast to drop in your podcast feeds. So let's start with the CBA. As I mentioned, this was found out Thursday night after I released the offseason preview. So let's start with what we know. The first thing we know that's for sure happening is the franchise tag deadline has been pushed back. It will now go from the 27th of February to the 12th of March. That's when you have a window to decide whether or not to place the tag on somebody in the Chiefs case. This is obviously going to be used on Chris Jones, and we'll talk a lot about Chris Jones later on because today the Chiefs held their combine press conferences and a ton of vital information was shared there. So that's the first thing that we know. That's the only thing that's really official right now is that 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 deadline has been pushed back to accommodate possibly a new CBA deal, which changes a ton. So the proposal is an additional week, which would make this season a 17-week season for the NFL, both each team getting two bye weeks, Uh, In the playoffs, you get an extra team in that playoff. And what that means is only one team gets a bye week. So, for example, this year, the the Chiefs would not have had a bye week. Instead, the Chiefs play on Wild Card Weekend, and the Chiefs play the Steelers. So, a bit of a change up a little bit to the playoff season, I'd say. A little bit. You know, it makes that one seed so much more important because they're the only seed that gets that by week to recover to prepare for the playoff run. The preseason is shortened to three games, and this all could be implemented as soon as 2020 if the CBA is agreed upon, uh, I believe, later on this week or the start of next week. So what does this all mean? Well, for the Chiefs, let's talk about that first. Obviously, the franchise tag dates impact Chris Jones, as we mentioned. It also impacts Patrick Mahomes. He will not sign a new deal until there's a new CBA in place because he shouldn't. It would be monumentally stupid for Patrick Mahomes to sign a new contract before the CBA is agreed upon. You don't know how the cap's going to be impacted. You don't know how the roster structure will be impacted. You don't know how the money guarantees will be impacted by the next CBA. So don't lock yourself into something that could be a, a bad deal for you right now and turn into, you know, when you can just wait a couple weeks and make that turn into a great deal. So it's obvious that Mahomes will not get a deal this offseason unless there's a new CBA in place. 
And even if there is a new CBA in place, the Chiefs have been steadfast on saying, hey, we're going to extend Patrick Mahomes next offseason. We're going to wait it out and extend him and pay him all the money he wants next offseason. So Mahomes is impacted there a little bit. Sammy Watkins is impacted because we talked on the Thursday show. Again, you can go back and listen to that. It was almost an hour long previewing everything you need to know about the Chiefs offseason. And we said, hey, there's no there's no post-June 1st cut date now because there's no CBA in place for 2021. So that money cannot be deferred and that money cannot be used this season. If you cut Sammy Watkins, those numbers are final, which we talked about on Thursday. If there is a CBA deal in place, though, if this gets agreed upon in a week or two weeks and it's implemented for 2020, then all of a sudden that post-June 1st cut becomes a viable option. And of course, if you don't know what that means, if you cut somebody with the desi- with the designation of a post-June 1st cut, their money is deferred to pretty much stretched for a couple years uh, to where you have more salary cap relief right now. Uh, so that's a big thing to watch for Sammy Watkins. Now let's talk about the overall football standpoint. The playoff expansion, the season expansion. And right now there's more questions than there are answers in terms of the season expansion. So you move to 17 weeks. It's more football. It's the only thing nowadays that generates ratings for TV companies is live sports. And on top of the live sports is the NFL. So it makes sense for the TV companies to want a 17th game. For the owners who make money off of those TV deals to want a 17th game. And as long as the players are compensated fairly for it, which is still up in the air right now, it makes sense all the way around. The only thing that doesn't make sense is how does this all work? Right now you have a very balanced schedule. Eight home games, eight road games. You play your division, a division from the NFC, and a division from the AFC. So what happens with that 17th game? Where is it played? Do you get an extra home game in 2020 and then an extra road game in 2021 and then in 2022 you get an extra home game and you rotate it that way? Does every team now have to play an international game where where that 17th game or that extra game, so to say, will not be rewarded to either side, will not be a home road game at Arrowhead? It'll be in London or it'll be in Mexico City or it'll be in England. I mean, I mean who knows where it will be? It'll be international. And does that take the place of having an international team? That would be the most, I hate to say logical, but that would be the most realistic possibility, I think, to where it's it's the most fair for everyone, is that if everyone has to go play an international game with the extra bye week, which of course helps because you need the bye week afterward to get ready to come back to the States and play a football game here. So does that mean that for the extra game everyone goes overseas? And then who's your opponent for that extra game? Do you randomly select an opponent each year? Is there some kind of algorithm that gives you your opponent? Do Does everyone in your division, so for example, does the AFC West say, okay, this year we all play the AFC North, but each of us are going to play one team from the AFC South. How does how do the opponents get picked for that 17th game, and where is that 17th game being played? That's something that will be figured out logistically later on, and it's not that important right now. No one's really talking about that 
uh, to a large degree right now, but it is something to monitor. How does that work? How does that 17th game go into effect? And now you get the playoffs. You add the playoff team, and you take away the bye week for the number two overall seed. This is the definition of fine. It's not good. It's not a good decision. It's not a great decision, and it's not a bad decision. It's a fine decision. Because you know what? You can say whatever you want to. You will be sitting down on Saturday and on Sunday to watch three games a day on Wild Card Weekend, no matter what. I don't care the teams I put in front of you. I don't care the the level of football that that seven seed is. You will watch. You will enjoy it. You will talk about it. You will bet on it. And you will come to this podcast and discuss it. They've got you. If you're listening to a football podcast right now, if you're listening to the sound of my voice right now in late February, they've got you. They can do anything they want. You're going to watch football. So it's not hurting anything in the sense of the fan base. And then, yes, you do get casual fans to come along who only watch the playoffs and and think that the stakes make it more exciting despite seeing Duck Hodges stroll into Arrowhead last year. They would have thought that that was great because it meant more stakes attached to the game. And I say it's fine because I can do or do without it. Again, I'm going to watch it. I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to profit off of it. I'm going to watch it. I'll talk about it on this podcast. And in the playoffs, you get more attention on your podcasts, on your articles. You profit. Everyone does. Myself included. But it's not this amazing solution. No one was asking for this. And the thing I hate about this situation right here, and and this is the baseball fan in me coming out. I, I host the Locked on Rose podcast, so baseball obviously is... Is a, is a close subject to my heart. But the same national media that criticized baseball, the same national media that said, Rob Manfred's a joke, he doesn't know what he's doing, the playoff expansion will ruin baseball, are the same ones grandstanding for the NFL to add this seventh team. And again, I'm fine with the NFL adding a seventh team. If you want to watch Duck Hodges come into Arrowhead, that's your prerogative. I'll watch it too. We are degenerates. So I'm not going to sit up here and act high and mighty and say, hey, I'm not going to watch this because I am. I am. Put any team in the playoffs, I'll watch them. Put any football on, I'll watch it. But I cannot stand the lack of consistency around the board from NFL fans and NFL media alike who who criticized baseball for adding their team for adding their seventh uh, team for adding teams to the playoffs for for even proposing it and then you love on on football for doing it because i've got news for you there's there's a better chance that that extra team in the baseball playoff you know that seventh team can make a run at the world series than there is that duck hodges can stroll into arrowhead beat mahomes and go to the super bowl there's a much better chance and you talk about saturating the regular season you talk about 500 teams or worse making the postseason. If you just put this implementation in for each sport last year, for each sport, you would have 500 or worse teams making it in football and all the teams that added to baseball, both two in each league. Both teams in each league are over 500. Whereas in football, again, you get Duck Hodges and you get the Steelers. And... 
again, it's a fine idea for both sports because not only do you have your diehard fans who will watch anything, you also bring in casual fans who only care about the postseason. Many of you listening to this podcast right now only care about football, and that's fine. But you still watch the baseball playoffs. So you'll still watch the extra postseason games in baseball as well. I just wanted a consistent message across the board. For the same people who ripped baseball for two days straight after they had that proposed playoff expansion, they're the same people who are now, of course, gung-ho about this playoff edition for football. And again, I'm not saying it's a bad idea. In fact, it makes a ton of sense. You add an extra game that matters. That's a third game on TV each day. It's not that hard to figure out that people are making it seem to be. People are acting like we're going to play playoff games on Monday. No, we're not. The schedule will be the schedule it is for every Sunday you've ever watched football in your entire life, only it'll be happening on Saturday as well. You'll wake up at noon, central time. You'll have a game on. You go to 345, you'll have a playoff game on. You go to 730, you'll have a playoff game on. Two days, bada-bing, bada-boom, we're out of there, and we've had six playoff games. It's not that hard. But to act like this is some great decision and and some noble decision from from Roger Goodell in in the NFL is just hilarious to me after you rip Rob Manfred and MLB for doing the same thing. Now, I'll give both leagues credit for this. No matter who you throw in there, you got a better chance of them winning games and advancing rounds than you do in the, in the NHL or the NBA. Now, the NHL is a bit of a different story because you do see one seeds lose all the time in the NHL. But in the NBA, okay, the second most popular sport in America, the Orlando Magic have no chance at defeating the Bucks in the first round. No chance. The Grizzlies, Trailblazers, Pelicans, whoever you want to throw in that eight seed for the West, has no chance. No chance of being the Lakers. So I'll give baseball and football this. They're expanding the playoffs if both proposals come to be, which usually if they leak to this point, if they leak to the public with this degree of clarity, with this degree of detail, usually it's only a matter of time before it's implemented. So let's just act like it's going to be implemented here. Both leagues have a far better playoff model still than the NBA, than any other sport. It's, it's still the most entertaining playoffs in sports because of the parity, because of the teams that can win. Again, we say Duck Hodges, I say boldly, I, I, I proclaim it and I definitively say there's no way Duck Hodges, Duck Hodges is going to come into Arrowhead Stadium or Mason Rudolph is going to come into Arrowhead Stadium or whoever the Steelers try out there at quarterback is going to come in to Arrowhead Stadium and beat Mahomes, beat Andy Reid, and beat your Super Bowl champion Chiefs. There's no way. However, however, you also, and I also would have said that a couple years ago against the Titans. So, football and baseball are two sports that can afford to expand because of the fact there's so much parity, because of the fact that the, the, the sport itself is chaotic in nature, that you can afford to expand. And I, I applaud both leagues and say it's a fine move for both leagues to expand their postseason. However, what I what I quibble with is not the leagues themselves. It's not the sport themselves. It is the media covering the sports, proclaiming that, that the NFL expansion is great and the MLB expansion is not. Now, if you want to have a conversation about the MLB saying that you can pick your opponents, I did that in the Locked on Royals podcast. You can go look that up. 
uh, it's titled with the MLB playoff expansion, whatever. But that's an argument we can get into. But in terms of just expanding the field, there's no argument that that's a great thing for baseball. And a good thing for football. And the difference there is, I'm not trying to lean one way or the other in terms of the sport. The difference there is, is just the, the number of games, okay? For the NFL, there's 16 games, now 17 you're going to watch all 17 games, no matter if your team is 16-0 or 0-16, because there's such a finite amount of games, there's such a limited number of games that you can see your team, who you deeply care about and deeply get invested into, and have such civic pride towards, you're going to watch every game, no matter how good or bad they are. In the MLB, there's 162 games. And the Royals, for example, our local team here, will be knocked out of playoff contention by... Early May. The first week of May, they're out of it. They're done. They're buried. There's no way to get into the playoffs. With expansion, though, when you go from shooting to be a top five team to a top seven team, your shelf life, even for a bad team, even for a poorly constructed roster like the Royals, your shelf life for contention comes becomes a lot longer, becomes a couple months longer than that. You 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 stay in competition for that seventh best team in the league until about June, July, August. So it keeps people invested, it keeps people watching the games, it keeps people supporting the game of baseball and supporting their local teams longer. Football, to their credit, does not have that problem. Because again, you can only see your team 16 to 17 times a year. So you spend all offseason talking about it, you spend all offseason talking about the draft, the free agents, training camp, preseason, for 17 games. That's it. So no matter how good or bad they are, you're locked in. So I think the expansion is great for baseball, and it's fine for football. It's fine. It's not bad. It's not good, but it's not bad. It's it's a, a quality decision that should not be met with any negativity because we're all addicts. We are all addicted to what the NFL can offer us. So it's a good decision for football in that sense of that. No matter what they do, we're going to watch. Save your concussions. Save your unfair wages. Save your scandals. We're going to watch football every Sunday. They, they've got us hooked. So they can do pretty much whatever they want to do. So we talked about the CBA and how it relates to the Chiefs. Let's talk about the NFL Combine. Let's start with a bit of a national look at it. Uh, the first story that broke was Joe Burrow's hands and his hand size. Now look. When this story broke, I thought, here we go again. Here's the NFL Combine coming around, and we're going to talk about Joe Burrow's hand size. And the first thing I thought of, tr- truthfully and honestly, the first thing I thought of was, you know what? I love Patrick Mahomes. He's, he's my f- favorite football player to watch, as he should be for everyone else. He's, he's an electric player to watch, my favorite. I love the Chiefs, so much so that I literally get paid to talk about them. That I devote time two times a week to ramble by myself to a microphone to an audience about the Chiefs. I spend time on Twitter about the Chiefs. I spend time reading about the Chiefs. I love the Chiefs and I love Mahomes undoubtedly. I have no idea what Patrick Mahomes' hand size is. Now, since this story came out, I and since I thought that, that was the first thing I thought of whenever I saw Joe Burrow's hand size. First thing I thought of. And since then, I've since learned through Twitter and stories written about it that what his hand sizes are, blah, blah, blah. And that he apparently does have small hands on the football scale, I guess. I I just can't, I can't think of why we even care about someone's hand size 
And the whole combine is a bit of a weird, weird concept. We're going to get these athletes in their prime, line them up in their underwear, weigh them, measure every inch of their body. They cannot, they can only wear the bare minimum of clothing as we do this and gawk at them and take photos and videos of them as we watch them go through this process. It's a bit of a weird concept, folks. A little strange, okay? A little strange. I can't help but wonder what is the big deal about the small hands? When you watched LSU this year, did you notice his hands? Were you sitting back, listening to the CBS jingle, listening to the CBS, uh, the, the, the SEC and CBS jingle? Da 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 and then they come back from commercial. You hear the glorious jingle. They show Joe Burrow on the sidelines. He's getting hyped up, about to go beat Alabama. And did you look at his hands and go, wait a second? Small hands? I mean, is this a Larry David bit that we're doing here? Eh, Joe Burrow, eh. Good guy. Through 60 touchdowns, Joe Burrow, small hands though. I don't like it with small hands. Hey, what, what are we doing? And it happens every year. This is ridiculous. If you want to criticize Joe Burrow, if you want to find a reason not to like him on, a, on the football field, if you want to find a way to knock him as a football player, don't do it with small hands. There's plenty of ways you can do that. There are plenty of ways. Let's start with the fact that he's only looked good for one year. And it was whenever Joe Brady came in and, and turned around that whole scheme and whole system and turned him into a good quarterback. When the offensive coordinator has to come in at the college level and make you a good quarterback, that's a red flag to me. Now, that's not saying that he can't be a good quarterback. That's not saying that I wouldn't take him if I'm the Bengals. But it's a bit of a red flag to me when you need an offensive coordinator in college to make you look good. If you're an NFL quarterback, if you're a transcendent talent, you make plays in college. You're a playmaker in college, especially when you're at LSU with NFL talent around you. You don't need Joe Brady to make you look good. That's a red flag to me. Not his hand size. Not his hand size. I just can't believe in 2020 we're still doing this. I cannot believe in 2020 we're still having this combine, measuring hands, and frankly discussing it, and I'm disgusted by the fact that I'm even spending time talking about another man's hand size. Where has life brought us to where we are sitting around discussing another grown man's hands? Do you know what size hands you have? Because I don't. I've never measured my hands. It's not something that I've sat around and, and, and done before. Weird. Just weird to me. Other combine notes... Chase Young will not participate in the combine drills. I think he's he's at the combine, though, for the interview process and, and meeting with teams. But in terms of the drills, he will not go through them. Many expect Chase Young to go to the Redskins at number two. Many expect him to, to be the best player on the board in the entire draft. I'm one of those people who expect Chase Young to be a transcendent talent, to be a talent that can overhaul the defense. And I think that's a good get for Washington if they go that way at number two. Tua is a full go on March 9th and will be a full go medically cleared for his pro day on April 9th, which will be, excuse me, 
Yeah, I got that right. April 9th is his pro day. He'll be a full go. He'll be at Alabama working out there. So that'll be really the chance that teams get to see him work out. A lot of talk with the Lions at number three. A lot of talk with the Dolphins. We'll see how that pans out. Uh, but it's good for him, man. I mean, when you saw him go down, again, after the after the SEC on CBS jingle, when you saw him go down, you probably thought the worst, as I did. And to see his turnaround, to see a young man that's kept his faith this whole time, that's kept his confidence this whole time, that has never been shaken by this, to see him go from possibly a career-ending injury, at one time we thought it was going to be worse than the Bo Jackson injury, if you remember whenever that first happened, to now come full circle and he's ready to go and he's ready to perform at his pro day. Who would have thought that he would be ready to work out for teams this offseason whenever that first happened and that first initial injury when he's on the ground when he's getting carted off who would have thought that he'd be ready to go April 9th good good story for Tua and I'm, I'm rooting for him but you know a lot obviously the Chiefs have no interest in Tua they have Patrick Mahomes but I'm still from afar rooting for Tua and rooting for his success so other news from the Chiefs standpoint let's shift over to Chiefs combine coverage they've talked to wide receivers Donovan Peoples-Jones from Michigan and Jalen Rieger if they can get Jalen Rieger from TCU, I would be ecstatic. And I know that one of my fellow writers at Irohadak.com, Drew Brooks, would also be incredibly happy as a TCU uh, you know, TCU student. But Jalen Rieger is a guy who I am very high on. And I think adding him to this offense, adding him with Mahomes, adding him with this speed, would just be comical. I mean, how can you continue to improve this wide receiving core, these playmakers, and this speed. It, it's its hilarious at this point. It's hilarious at this point that they can continue to go out there and find playmakers and get playmakers and accrue talent through the draft and free agency. So let's talk about the actual interview process from the Combine. We heard from Andy Reid today. We heard from Brett Veach today. First up from Andy Reid, he was asked about Mahomes. He was asked about that knee injury. He was asked about... Does Mahomes need surgery this offseason to help that knee? And he answered it without answering it to many of us. I mean, he said that, hey, look, he's already working out with Des Bryant. He's already getting working on the field. He looks good. He looks fine. So does that mean he doesn't need surgery? Is that what we're getting at, Andy? Would have been nice for him to tell us that he doesn't need surgery, or he does. But by saying it that way, that he's working out already and he looks fine, it sounds like there will be no knee surgery from Holmes this offseason, which many of us expected there to be after that initial knee injury in Denver. Even after he came back, we expected, okay, he's going to get knee surgery as soon as the season is over. That's very common in football, very common in every sport, really, to delay your surgery till after the season. But it sounds like Holmes is ready to go without the surgery. And briefly, let's talk about Des Bryant working out with Mahomes. It's a funny video in the sense of it can generate a ton of buzz this time of year. It can generate a ton of attention and discussion. I'll wrap up that whole conversation with this. Des Bryant can come to Kansas City anytime he wants to. Because Des Bryant is a veteran minimum guy. He's not going to get you more. He's not going to get paid more than a veteran minimum. And would I take the risk, quote unquote, on Des Bryant? For a veteran minimum? Absolutely. Because what's the worst that can happen? If he cannot recover from his ACL injury, his Achilles injury, excuse me, if he can't recover from his injury history, if he's not the same player he once was, he's only on a veteran minimum and you get him out of town, 
Sorry, it didn't work out, but at least we tried. At least we tried. So I'd be happy with or without Des Bryant. I mean, there is absolutely no negative to bringing him in. No negative at all. Uh, but again, that, that hasn't even been rumored yet. It's just that they're working out together. It hasn't even been officially discussed of, hey, maybe the Chiefs are even looking at him. But just a little note there for those of you who've been asking about Des Bryant to Kansas City. Andy Reid also said Sammy Watkins is in a, quote, good place right now. Uh, he's not sure what that means. I'm not sure what that means. But and uh, but Sammy Watkins is in a good place right now, and we'll see how that transpires. If you listen to the offseason preview like you were supposed to, you would know that Sammy Watkins right now is contemplating retirement, contemplating a pay cut, contemplating playing again next year. Just a lot of stuff going through his mind right now, so it's good to know he's in a good place. Uh, Andy Reid talked about both Michael Hardman and Damian Williams at his press conference today. He said if Damian Williams is healthy, the player we saw in January, the player we saw in February and December is the guy that you can get in September if he's healthy. So it sounds like he has a lot of confidence in Damian Williams going into next year as your lead back of the Kansas City Chiefs. And that's something we discussed last week. Is he a guy who you can trust? Is he a guy who you can give the ball to in September to to help facilitate your offense from that running back spot? Andy Reid thinks so, but then again, what else is he supposed to say? So then Brett Veach took the podium, and this, this was basically the Chris Jones hour. I mean, as you can expect, all the conversations were about Chris Jones. Uh, to give you the cliff notes, Brett said that they'll have a meeting with Chris Jones later on this week. That is their highest priority right now, and they intend to keep Kansas City, uh, excuse me, keep Chris Jones in Kansas City. They intend to do that, uh, and that obviously you're going to want to get a deal done as soon as possible and any way possible to keep that tandem together. Speaking of Chris Jones and Frank Clark, it sounds like Chris Jones will be a chief next year. It sounds like that this is going to be something that they get done. And so to answer some of you who might be saying what I just said about Damian Williams, well, what else is he supposed to say? Many times in this situation, you just say, hey, we're going to work it out. We're going to work it out. We're going to talk to their guys and see if we can get something done. You don't go as far to say, hey, this is a huge priority. Hey, this is something we intend to do. This is something that we want to do. This is something that we need to do. Saying those key words like that, putting yourself in that vulnerable position that lets everyone know, hey, we're going to get him back. We want him back is a little bit more than just saying, hey, we're going to talk to their guys. We're going to come together and have a meeting. If you left it at that, if you left it at, we're going to have a meeting later on this week to discuss that. If he just stopped after that first answer, which which was his first answer, then there'd be nothing to talk about. There'd be, okay, well, we knew that. We knew they were going to have a discussion. We knew everything you just said. But to take it that next step and to take it to, well, we intend to keep him. We want to keep him. And we're going to do everything we can to keep him. When you take it to those next key words, that lets us, everyone know, hey, this is going to happen. I mean, this is serious. You've put it out there. You didn't leave it vague. I mean, for contrast, for comparison, Mike Mayock said the good thing about Derek Carr today. He said, hey, I like what I like what Derek Carr did this year. I'm really confident in Derek Carr. But whenever you have that but, that bridges you to, as I said before, we're going to review every position on this roster and look for ways we can improve. Whenever you say that, you've left yourself space to say, never mind, we're actually going to move on from Derek Carr and bring in Tom Brady. So, Brett Veach did not leave himself any space in this situation. There is no doubt, unequivocally, he wants to keep Chris Jones and he wants Chris Jones to be a chief next year. So, to leave no doubt is interesting to me. It's an interesting dynamic that Chris Jones, that uh, excuse me, Brett Veach brought to the table th- today about Chris Jones. 
And that, of course, will be something we follow all offseason long here at the Earhudak podcast and the Earhudak.com website, a part of the Fansided family of websites. This is the Earhudak.com podcast, a part of the Fansided Podcasting Network. I'm Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. It's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. We'll have another show on Thursday to talk about any breaking news from the Chiefs and preview the drills from the Combine. The, of course, you know, what to expect that night from all the players participating in the Combine and any other news that breaks from here until Thursday. So be good and be good to one another, and we'll see you next time on the Aerodynamic Podcast. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.